we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for March 24th, 2013. This is part two. And continuing with the current events, this next report is entitled, Obama is now the global head of Al-Qaeda. President Obama is now the global head of Al-Qaeda, the terrorist Islamic organization, bankrolling, arming, and equipping terrorists around the world in order to achieve his administration's geopolitical objectives. Now, there's some tongue-in-cheek with the heading here, but it's true. It's absolutely true. They're gearing up to annihilate people like you and I, Bible-believing, pro-life, pro-constitution, believe in the Second Amendment, you know, you could go on preppers, that's who they're nine. that's who the new terrorists are. They're, not, they're gearing up through the DHS and through other government factions to annihilate us. It's clear they're doing it, just reported on that. And at the same time, they're bankrolling, arming, and equipping terrorists around the world in order to achieve their geopolitical objectives. Everything's upside down. Woe to them that call evil good and good evil. This is the norm. This is the absolute norm. If it's evil, they will support it, bankroll it, bless it, protect it. And we're going to be looking at in depth today. If it's good and righteous, they will attack it. They will try to, to make sure it loses funding. They will try to you know just annihilate it any way they can. That's the norm now. It's becoming clearer and clearer that this is just the norm, particularly under Obama. So, they're doing all this while simultaneously invoking the threats, threat of terrorists domestically to destroy the Bill of Rights. Since it has now been established that those merely suspected of engaging in terrorism, including U.S. citizens, are subject to targeted drone strikes under the terms of his own prosecution of war and terror, Obama must immediately order a drone strike on the White House because the facts documented below incontrovertibly demonstrate that it represents the headquarters of Al-Qaeda, Al-Qaeda, whatever you want to call it, operations worldwide. In other words, because the White House is the center and is the head of Al-Qaeda, they need to order a drone strike on itself. It's only fair. The fact that Al-Qaeda was created by the Western intelligence and has always been controlled by these interests demonstrates that Al-Qaeda threat is one of the greatest ongoing hoaxes in world history. The administration has sent nearly half a billion dollars and is now using U.S. Special Force, and all of these are underlined, meaning these are links that you can click on to verify these facts, and is now using U.S. Special Forces to train militants in Syria, who have pledged allegiance to Al-Qaeda and who continue to carry out grisly beheadings, terrorist bombings, targeting innocent civilians, and particularly Christians, and chemical weapon attacks against women and children. There's nothing these Muslims won't do if you get money into their hand. They, they, will, they, will, they will do anything. I don't believe there's anything they're not capable of. Particularly after you hear this study. So they're the perfect tools for the New World Order to do their bidding. It's hard 
to try to protect a class of barbaric devils like this, but they're they're figuring out a way to do it, you know. These same militants, backed not only by the U.S., but by every major NATO power, have repeatedly voiced their hatred for and intention to destroy America. As they ransack Christian churches, and again, these are all linked stories. You can, If you don't believe in this stuff, just click on the links. They've ransacked Christian churches, burned U.S. flags, chant anti-American slogans, and sing the praises of Osama bin Laden while glorifying the 9-11 attacks. I mean, th- these people are just... Demon-possessed of the toenails, they are just pure evil. They are of their father, the devil, and of his lusts and of his works, they will do. As the New York Times reported, these very same terrorists killed U.S. troops in Iraq, and yet Western backing for the insurgency against Bashar al-Assad has enabled violent extremists to seize power in Syria. I'm not saying we were innocent either with what a lot of the things America did in, like, Iraq and then the whole depleted uranium thing. If you don't believe that, can beyond treason in, um, like, YouTube. You can probably watch it for free, or if not, do a keyword search for it, beyond treason. <laughs> you know, there, there's there's major, major bad stuff going on, on on our end as well. And I've said that before. I mean, we're over there guarding the opium in Afghanistan openly. And saying that if we'll, we got it, we got to keep the opium fields going. The military, military, high military brass saying this because, well, without it, they won't have any income. <laughs> I mean, it's just insane. Funds the international drug trade that we're also a part of. And uh, it's just, it's so evil. It's just anything on a government global level is just pretty much just chalk it up to be pure evil anymore. Lies upon lies. So, going further, um, as multiple reports now confirm, the main Al-Qaeda group in Syria is now commanding rebels and engaged in the heaviest frontline fighting. In other words, these are the group, this is the, this is the faction, one of the factions that we're giving you know, millions and millions of dollars to. I, I, again, I've went over this so many times where all of these regimes that have been toppled in the Middle East. Yes, they had a dictator in, but most of the time they weren't radical, radical Islamic. We want radical, radical Islamic leaders, puppet leaders, we've installed because that'll make it much more easy to in mass go against Israel all at once. Okay, that's one of the main reasons they're doing it, so that they can have their World War III, which is on their agenda. And how they are going to ultimately bring the Antichrist and the false prophet for their big debut, most likely on the heels of World War III, which will involve Israel and a lot of the Middle Eastern countries and who knows who else. Probably America and other countries as well regarding that. So, um, as the London Guardian reported, rebels in Syria are admittedly being led by Al-Qaeda terrorists and who meet with them every day and train them how to make bombs. The top 29 Syrian opposition groups have all sworn allegiance to Al-Qaeda. These same terrorists have also vowed to attack the United States. So we're giving Al-Qaeda all this funding, these 
really radicalized Muslim terrorist groups have pledged allegiance to Al-Qaeda, and we're funding Al-Qaeda, and these same terrorists have also vowed to attack the United States. Seems reasonable to me. I mean, I don't know, I, I don't know why anybody would have any problem with this. We're just funding our own destruction, essentially. And we're doing that on a lot of different levels. You know. Not just this one. Um, so, they have vowed to attack the United States once they're finished in Syria. While proclaiming their desire to see Al-Qaeda flying the flag over the White House. That's what their goal is. 100%. So, while Americans who are suspicious of centralized federal authority and reverent of individual liberty, quote, reverent of individual liberty, have been characterized as terrorists by their own government, the U.S. citizens who openly take up arms to join terrorists in Libya and Syria are allowed to fly around the world with total impunity. And I don't even think that would be just U.S. citizens as these terrorist Muslims. So again, everything's totally backwards of what it should be. Everything. And again, increasingly under Obama. Because if it's wicked, if it's evil, he is going to be 100% behind it. This just broke this morning. Just this morning. U.S. unblocks $500 million for Islamic Palestinians. The United States has quietly unblocked almost $500 million in aid to Islamic, the Islamic terroristic Palestinian Authority. This is the same one that Yasser Arafat was head of. Whose stated goal was to drive all the Israelis into the sea, man, woman, and children, to annihilate every one of them. Which is all the Islamic, if any kind of radical bent to them, they all have the same. What's what they're told to do in their unholy books and in the Quran? Totally annihilate all the Jews and then kill all the other infidels that won't convert worldwide. That's the only solution for them. There is, no, there is no peaceful coexistence with them in any other religion. Allah is the only God, they say. So, Allah, the moon God, the fallen angel that they worship, uh, he demands total annihilation of all other peoples and religions and creeds that will not conform to Islam. So we turn around, and again, we, I just mentioned all the money we've given them. We give them another $500 million now, Islamic terroristic aid to the Palestinian Authority. This aid had been frozen by Congress for months, a top U.S. official said Friday. The Obama administration also notified Congress in late February that it was seeking an additional $200 million to fund the U.S. Agency for International Development programs for the Palestinians. It's well known that, that most of this money goes to the terrorists. Goes to the ones that are actually waging the war that we're seeing right now, like in Syria and against Israel. and They're just gearing up. They're gearing up. For, you know, it's just pure total insanity. Breaking. Israel fires into Syria after Golan attacks. This is just broke today, just um, 1.17 p.m. Out of Jerusalem, Israel said it fired into Syria on Sunday and destroyed a machine gun position in the Golan Heights from where shots had been fired at Israeli soldiers in a further spillover of the Syrian civil war along a tense front. Again, that could go hot so easily. And literally, World War III ensues. 
So, going further, Pope Francis, going to switch gears again here, Pope Francis now urges all religions to unite. And, he, and then it says, and he spake as a dragon. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb. This is the false prophet. And he spake as a dragon, and he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, who is the Antichrist, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. Revelation 13, 11, and 12. And this is what, the good chance that this Pope Francis may be the false prophet. I don't know. I'm not saying dogmatically, but he could be. He's, he's sure in a good position to be that, or at least to point people to the false prophet, considering that's going to be more of a religious, the more religious role uh, regarding if you look at false prophet and antichrist. Um, and obviously he's supposedly you know the head of the uh, Catholic religion. A lot of people just lump that, and he's the head of Christians worldwide. He's not, he's not my head. Nothing but a devil from the pit of hell that will burn white hot in the lake of fire. That's all he is. I reported on that last week. I mean, the more the, the only way you're going to be, ever become pope is is if you uh, committed the most worst vile atrocities the world could ever know, and then covered them up in the name of the Catholic Church. And probably you have to have the red bloodline too, I imagine. But. Pope Francis urged members of all religions and those belonging to no church on Wednesday to unite to defend justice, peace, and the environment. Oh, like Mother Gaia? Yeah. Of course. Well, the, the Antichrist is going to come and he's going to use a lot of smooth words. False prophet. It's all going to be something that the whole world can get on the same. I mean, who wouldn't want to unite to defend justice, peace, and environment? Only those born-again Bible-believing Christians, they don't want to unite because they need to be eliminated. They're bad. They're a bad seed. They won't get on board with us. There's something wrong with them. They need to be re-educated or eliminated. I'll never get on this bandwagon with this garbage. I hope none of you would either. So he urged members of all religions and those belonging to no church on Wednesday to unite. A leader of Italy's Muslim community said he was impressed by the Pope's insistence of interreligious friendship. Oh, considering that the most likely the Catholic Church created the Muslim religion. And there's a lot of proof on that. It wouldn't surprise me. Because they're, they're, all the religions are coming together. One way or another. Now you'd say, well, how can that happen? The Muslims are so diametrically opposed to the Jews. You've even stated that. Yes, but if they have the right awaited Savior that makes the scene at the right time, and he says the right words, then they're all going to get on the same page, and we're going to be looking at that. But right now, no, they're not. Right now, they're, you know, particularly the Muslims. They just want to annihilate everybody. But if they have the right Devil, the Imam Mahdi, who's what they're waiting for, and he's going to supposedly appear with their fake, false master Jesus, who they're expecting to come with him. Eventually, he can get them all, he's the only one, though, that can get them all in the same playing field. But that's not going to come before there's massive amounts of bloodshed. Massive. They believe the only way the Imam Mahdi can come is through massive bloodshed. They believe that. This is why they're so clamoring and chomping at the bit 
for to wage jihad, particularly on Israel and the great state in America, because they realize, they believe that they have to do that. They have to spill maximum amount of blood of the infidels, and they believe that many of them are going to die as well. They're going to be martyred and go to heaven with their 72 virgins and white-skinned boys, which is what they literally believe. Um, they believe that the only way that's going to happen is through massive bloodshed, to bring about the Imam Mahdi. Can you imagine? I mean, like if, if like there was prophecies in, in the Bible about Jesus, yes, in order for Jesus to be born of a virgin, you know, in a major, and to come to save, you know, humanity from, you know, their whatever, there's going to have to be the the the, the people on at the time. Let's say the, the religious Jews are going to have to commit mass massive atrocities and and shed massive amounts of blood in order to bring about our awaited savior. Can you imagine? But that's what they believe. Can you imagine believing that as a Christian? <laughs> I mean, it's insane. But this is what these demon-possessed devils believe has to happen. So they want it. They want it. They're hardcore. And um, we're going to be looking at that today in depth. Francis, elected a week ago as the first non-European pope in 1300 years, met leaders of non-Catholic Christian religions, such as the Orthodox, the Anglicans, the Lutherans, the Methodists, and others, including Jews, Muslims, Buddhists, and Hindus. So this guy's not wasting any time. He's not wasting any time. He's right on this, man. Coming one world religion, I've been, you know, obviously me and a ton of other people, the Bible predicts it. It's not just me. The Bible's clear. He said, history has shown that any attempt to eliminate God had produced much violence. Let me read that again. Pope Francis said, history has shown that any attempt to eliminate God had produced, quote, much violence. My comment. You mean like the 70 million people your devil death cult tortured and murdered during the Catholic Inquisitions? You mean kind of like that? Much violence when they try to eliminate God? And these people die, tons of them died for God. Because they wouldn't compromise. And admit that infant baptism saves people. They're saved by infant baptism. I mean, they, they would torture and kill you just for that, burn you at the stake, because you wouldn't submit to that. That's how wicked and evil and twisted the Catholic Church is. And if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? It was corrupt from its foundation. Well, you think it's better now? No, it's no better. So he had the audacity to make that comment. What about the violence of all the pedophilic priests as they rape little kids over and over and over and, and then come out in their black flowing robes and act so pious and sanctimonious and holier than thou and self-righteous in public and behind closed doors they're raping Little boys and little girls in mass, worldwide, going back, guaranteed since the inception of this devil maggot institution. What about the violence committed against them? I just, I just, the audacity of these devils. 
all in the name of God, all in the name of supposedly the true mother church that truly is the only true church, as they have said. And there's a lot of other, the National Council of Churches agreed with it, who supposedly, you know, represents Christian denominations. They, they acknowledge that. I did a whole study on that. Just keep Catholic in the search box. You want to know about the Inquisitions? Key in Inquisitions in the search box at contendingfortruth.com. Want to know more about the Vatican? Key in Vatican. I'll load your boat like you've never had your boat loaded, probably, regarding this subject. Exposing them and the Muslims. Now, this is from actually December 10th of this last year. So just, you know, going back four months, or thereabouts, this was when Pope uh, Benedict was in office before he stepped down. And it's entitled, Vatican Calls for World Government and a New World Order. Oh, imagine that. That's, that's not real subtle. You know, they're coming right out and pretty much getting all their cards on the table. The leader of the Catholic Church, Pope Benedict XVI, has called for the establishment of world government and a new world order. <laughs> Again, you know... Totally confirming every other thing we've ever reported on regarding the Catholic Church with this agenda. In a speech made at the Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace on December 3rd, 2012, the Pope called for the, quote, construction of a world community with a corresponding authority, end of quote, to serve the, quote, common good of the human family, end of quote. Yeah, right. Always they, they, they... Crouch all of this in these flowering, ear-tickling words to make it more palatable and to hide their true agenda. These last remarks made by the Pope and the Catholic Church come as no surprise considering that in 2010, the Catholic Church sought the establishment of a new central world bank. Hmm, imagine that. That would be responsible for regulating the global financial industry, and the international money supply. So not only are they saying we need to have a new world order and a new world government, but now we need to have a one world banking system and obviously one world economic system, which is exactly what we're going to have in the new world order and the, under Antichrist and the false prophet. Hmm. Isn't that special? It was reported that the Vatican sought a supranational authority, which would have worldwide scope and a universal universal jurisdiction to guide and control global economic policies and decisions. China's new push for closer ties with Russia and growing intrusions from the United Nations with regards to control of the Internet and the latest remarks made by the Catholic Church all point to the New World Order. That will set in stone a path for the fulfillment of the one world government under the Antichrist. Again, we just over and over and over cross-confirm almost every single thing we have ever reported on in these weekly audio teachings. And I don't say that to whatever. I'm just saying it's just it's what the Bible says. Give God I give God the glory. It's what the Bible says is gonna happen. It's just we're just pointing out the obvious is all we're doing. Really, they've made my job very easy. I just try to tie it together and be a liaison for the information. 
so that you don't have to go out and just rack your brain and try to come up with all of this. I, I try to put it in one concise package every week or every other week, depending on how often I can get these up. Now, next report. With the final pope enthroned, the Jewish press calls on Muslims and Jews, this is the Jewish press, and it's literally jewishpress.com, put this out, the Jewish press calls on Muslims and Jews to rise up together now and to rebuild the final temple of Solomon in Jerusalem. Now, this is most likely not going to happen now, but it's going to happen after World War III. Once the Imam Mahdi has come and supposedly brought some type of false peace between Islam and the Jews. That's because there's no way this is happening now. But they're still going to gear up for it. They still want to try to get that thought in people's heads. As And now the guy writing this is a devout Muslim. And he says, as a devout Muslim, it would be joy for me to see Prophet Temp- Solomon's temple rebuilt as well. No, you did not hear me wrong. Prophet Solomon's temple being rebuilt in all of its magnificence and glory would be a great delight for me, as it would be to any Muslim. Under different circumstances, and in an atmosphere of trust, love, and brotherhood, Muslims would welcome this with enthusiasm. The temple of Solomon is, I mean, it's kind of hard to have that whole environment of, you know, love and trust and brotherhood when your unholy books tell you to annihilate all the, of Israel, man, woman, children, destroy them and drive them into the sea, annihilate them off the planet. Kind of tough to have that, but I mean, I'm sure that's not the, is, is Islam's fault, right? It's, it, it's not their fault. They're, they're not to blame there in any way, shape, or form. Anyway, um, so the Temple of Solomon is also a historically important place, and rebuilding it would be a wonderful occasion for all believers to contemplate. Every Muslim, every believer will want to experience the spirit of those days again. Hold on. You weren't around the first time when it was built. I mean, you weren't, regarding Islam, the religion itself, and this was 100% a Israeli experience. Twelve tribes. You know, it wasn't like they were letting all the pagans and everybody come into the temple and defile it. When Solomon's temple was there. You know what I mean? In its heyday. I'm not talking about the pagan nations that didn't come in and destroy. I'm talking about the people that appreciate it. They act like they were there the first time. Every Muslim, every believer want to experience the spirit of those days again. You never had anything to do with it the first time. Sorry. Sorry to burst your bubble there. I didn't either, okay? My lineage didn't either. Okay? Because I'm not from... Jewish Israeli stock, <laughs> but I thought that was that was rich. Anyway, um, and strive to bring the beauty of those days back to life. Actually, it's everyone's aspiration for that city to be adorned, to be beautified, and to regain the magnificent glory it had in the days of the prophet Solomon. The prophet Solomon, or King Solomon, as the Jews call him, is a prophet to Muslims too. Oh, really? I must have missed that. Wow, I just, I missed that. 
All Muslims have profound love for him. Prophet Solomon had a superior understanding of beauty and aesthetics, and no doubt rebuilding of his temple in its original form would be a splendid undertaking, decorated exactly as it was. Well, we can see now how they could get on the same boat if there were some linchpin catalyst for them to all get on the same page. Well, this is the goal of the New World Order, to have a multi-religious cultural center like where they incorporate all religious systems into the rebuilding of the temple. Which I think is going to be the exact same temple where the abomination of desolation is committed, where the Antichrist goes and proclaims himself to be God. Like the Bible talks about. Matthew 24, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It's where the abomination of desolation that the prophet Daniel talked about is committed. Most likely this is going to be where it's at, this rebuilt temple. Animal sacrifice will be reinstituted. All of this is an abomination to God. God's going to let it happen, but it's an abomination. Why? Because Jesus Christ was the perfect lamb, slain from the foundation of the earth. When he said, it is finished, the sacrificial system of the, of the Levitical Jewish priesthood was over. They didn't have to sacrifice animals anymore. Any animal sacrificed after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, after he said it was finished, is an abomination in God's eyes. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, I think biblically speaking, you could prove that. You're not supposed to be sacrificing animals anymore. But they don't acknowledge Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, so they crucified their Savior, unfortunately. Doesn't mean they're not going to get their eyes opened near the end of the tribulation, like the Bible talks about in Zechariah, when two-thirds of them are going to actually perish, but one-third will be brought through and tried in the fire and have their eyes open, and they're going to look upon whom they pierced, Jesus Christ, and mourn for him as they would mourn for their only begotten son. They're going to finally have their eyes open collectively, that last one-third of the Israeli people that God has chosen. Foreordained the elect near the end of the tribulation. I've done many teachings on that. Anyway, so, yeah, um, this is interesting. Because you're thinking, if all you ever hear about are, are the stuff that, you know, how Islam has this unbelievable hatred to the Israel and the Jews, then you're thinking, how could this ever, how are we all going to have a one world religion? There's going to be some cataclysmic shifts that happen when the Antichrist and the false prophet make their debut with their ascended masters and probably in conjunction with these UFOs decloaking, whether they're real ones or whether they're holographic images projected in the sky like they have a Project Blue Beam. I don't know exactly how it's going to go down, but most likely something along those lines, shock and awe, lines, signs and wonders and miracles, whereby they will be able to deceive the whole world, including the Muslims. They're already deceived but they're really going to be deceived. So, wanted to throw that in, because, I mean, that's important. That little last article. Now, this is also related. Pope to get seat over the tomb of King David. This is posted by Jewish Israel. Another 
you know, totally Israeli-type news outlet. Pope to get seat over the tomb of David. This is just from January 31st of this year. There is a picture here you're looking at first of a guy, like some kind of curator, and it shows, I think in this case, Pope Benedict, because this is when he was in office, in some type of throne chair in what they call the upper room, which is where the Last Supper was held. They believe this is where the Last Supper was literally held. Directly below that is the tomb of King David. Let me read this. Outgoing Deputy Foreign Minister Danny Aylon is leaving his mark on Jerusalem after years of negotiations with the Vatican over property and tax issues. It seems that a historic breakthrough is near. Headlines in the Jerusalem Post announce, quote, Jerusalem is on the verge of signing an agreement to formalize diplomatic relations with, I call them the unholy see, meaning the Vatican, essentially. However, there are conflicting and disturbing reports regarding the status of the Last Supper Room, referred to as the Upper Room, which sits above the traditional tomb of King David. I didn't know that. I didn't know the Last Supper Room was above the tomb of King David. And is central part of the yeshiva grounds on Mount Zion. For many years, the Catholic Church has been vying for ownership of the room, which is considered by many Christians to be the traditional site of the location for the Last Supper. The room itself is a 12th century crusader structure built on top of the traditional tomb of King David. Whereas the Jerusalem Post claims that the two sides have essentially decided to disagree, to, to agree to disagree on the matter. Israeli Hayom is reporting that the agreement will grant the Pope an official seat in the upper room. He wants his own seat with his name on it. Maybe they'll give him an Ovaltine secret decoder ring while they're at it. As well as giving the Vatican a special modicum of control over the site. Hmm. The, the Vatican's going to have a special modicum of control over the site. Hmm. Al Jaminer reports that Israel, quote, did not give up sovereignty, but will allow the Vatican control over the site. Now, is it a modicum of control? Like a modicum, like something you could fit in a thimble or maybe an eyewash glass? Or is it total control? I don't know. Anyway, we'll allow the Vatican control of the site. Now, I have a comment here. See the picture above to, to see the significance of this arrangement. In the picture, they've got this guy. It's the upper room. Now, I don't know if this is really the, the real upper room. I don't know. It's, but it's, I think what's important here is the symbolism here. Why would this so be so important for the Vatican? Well, you, you've got old Pope Devil Benedict here in a, in a throne, in some type of throne chair, superimposed into the upper room, okay? Like photoshopped into the upper room. And then a picture below it, which has King David's tomb. Think about that. The Pope could go in there, and from a symbolic standpoint, he's in the upper room where the Last Supper was, where Jesus Christ and his disciples gathered. 
And then it was found out that Judas was the, you know. He is literally over. He's in his throne-like chair over the tomb of King David. Meaning he's above. Meaning he is over. Meaning he is greater than King David ever was. I think that's the that's what they're trying to convey here. That's the significance. Because the popes believe they're the vicar of Christ on earth. Meaning the substitute for Christ. Substitute for Jesus Christ on earth. They're infallible, right? <laughs> infallible. <sighs> so you have this infallible vicar of Christ, supposedly, seated over King David's tomb, proclaiming him to be, obviously, much greater than King David ever was. I think that's the whole significance of this. Isn't that interesting? Um, whereas, okay, uh, we already... Okay, so the Vatican has aggressively sought the Last Supper Room and other sites in Israel for years, using whatever means they have to get them. In the real estate business, location, location, location is the key. The Vatican has their whole infrastructure in Rome, but while Jerusalem is where the action is, from their standpoint, their, this strategic move by the Vatican will obviously be used to openly promote their agenda. So again, I thought that that was kind of interesting, a little interesting thing of news there. Here's another report. Vatican to begin tracking clergy and employees with RFID cards. Are implantable microchips next? We have learned today that the Vatican has decided to use an ID card that has a microchip device embedded inside the card that is capable of being used as a tracking device. This card will be given to clergy and employees. A source inside the Vatican acknowledged that they have been thinking about this for years and... um, but decline to give any details of the discussion. The common name for such devices are RFID or radio frequency identification devices. This will have a lot to do with when they have the mark of the beast. It will be some form of this where they'll be able to track you with it. Okay. The issuance of these devices will probably take place on or about January 1st, 2013. So this has already started happening. The Vatican support, and again, the, the girl in Texas, that school in Texas where they're wanting them to all wear the lanyards with their RFID cards, and there's been all this backlash, or some backlash, about that. Catherine Albrecht has been um, regarding that. Because, you know, you get used to that, you get used to being tracked, and it's no big deal to accept the fact, hey, we want you to take this mark in your right hand or forehead, because you can't lose it. So you won't have to worry about losing it. This is where it's all heading, to get us conditioned. And if the Vatican's behind it, just one more step to the mark of the beast. And if they're doing it at the highest levels within the Vatican, hey, you know, if it's good enough for us, it's good enough for the, quote, faithful of all religions. The issuance of these devices will probably, uh, okay, we already said, the Vatican supposedly sees the need for tracking cards because of a conviction of a person for stealing the pontiff's private documents and leaking them to an Italian journalist in an embarrassing security breach that rocked the Vatican earlier this year. What's this world coming to? Oh my. According to the Telegraph, the farther we go into the electronic age, the more of this kind of thing we will see. 
At this point, we have not yet heard of one U.S. church that plans to or is actually using similar devices. Yeah, there probably is a whole bunch, but I don't know. Who knows? It'll, it's all a matter of time. End time, here's the next article. End time unity around false Marian theology. On the Catholic feast of Annunciation, just across from the Basilica of the Annunciation, which is the international interreligious center dedicated to, quote, Our Lady. Okay, so this is the Catholic Feast of Annunciation at the Basilica of the Annunciation, which is the international interreligious center, meaning they're trying to get all religions on the same page, dedicated to, quote, Our Lady. Remember that phrase. The International Mary of Nazareth Center will be inaugurated Friday by the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem, His Beatitude, Fawed Twile. Why can't I have a name like Fawed Twile? You know, not, not too much of a tongue twister there. Anyway, sarcasm humor alert. Okay, so, um, actually, start to play this. Here we go. They're going to be playing this song when they dedicate it. So, they're going to be actually flying in to give this event some extra pizzazz and panache. The Catholic Church is actually flying in Kenny Rogers and Lionel Richie to sing their perennial hit, Lady, in honor of the false Queen of Heaven, Mary Goddess, that the Catholics know and love. And that's why I want to have a little intro there with Kenny Rogers there singing Lady. Because this is dedicated to Our Lady, it says, the International Mary of Nazareth Center. So anyway, a little sarcasm humor there. Um, just kind of wanted to throw that in. Now remember, this has nothing to me with doing denigrating the real Mary. This is the Mary Queen of Heaven false goddess that the Catholics bow down and worship to, literally in an idolic form, which is an absolute abomination from the pit of hell and blasphemy in the sight of God. That's what I'm in reference to here. The International Mary of Nazareth Center has an ecumenical aim and promotes interreligious dialogue. The center shows the way the Virgin Mary is perceived by the Eastern churches and in the Quran and also a Jew, as a Jewish woman. Oh, really? Why? Because they're trying, they're interreligious. They're trying to appeal to all religions. Here is another site that explains to the reader the true motive behind this Marian center in Nazareth. Uh, it is ecumenical, which that word means concerned with establishing or promoting unity among churches or religions. Just if you want me to give you a technical definition, that's what it means. All the religions uniting into one. It's ecumenical in its approach, this Mary Nazareth Center to Our Lady. The aim is to show Mary in the Christian, Jewish, and Muslim worlds by means of contemporary audiovisual techniques. Now remember, what did I just read? We just talked about how the Jewish press is coming out saying that the Muslims and Israel, and I would imagine the, the Christian factions through the Catholic Church, need to rebuild this Temple of Solomon. 
the Pope is going to have a throne or a seat in the upper room, which is over King David. You see how this is all... Everything is focusing on Jerusalem. And the Bible talks about that God's going to make Jerusalem a cup of trembling. Everything is focused on that because so much of the end time prophecy is focused on Jerusalem. So, Satan is going to focus on it. Because he's always trying to throw monkey wrenches into God's plans. But he's not going to throw one monkey wrench into the word of God because it's going to play out exactly like the word of God says it's going to play out. And Satan and his minions and his evil entities are just going to be essentially willing participants in that whole plan. Even though they may not, even though they think they're going to throw monkey wrenches into, they're not. They're going to go exactly along and it's going to play out exactly like the word of God says it's going to play out. So. This is yet one more attempt by this Mary of Nazareth Center to Our Lady. It's just yet one more attempt to bring, you know, Christianity, Islam, and um, the Jewish religion, get them all on the same page. And again, we've seen a lot of that just in the last articles. The author who wrote this comments and says, There's nothing in the Bible that tells us to promote end-time unity across religions. The Catholic Church has its own agenda to bring unity between Catholics, Christians, Muslims, Jews, and all world religions. Those who start to support this religious movement will end up supporting the last Antichrist that will appear in the flesh. True. He's right about that. Here's a picture of this place. Another Roman Catholic chapel of deceptions has come up in Nazareth. That's what the title is for the picture. To use Jesus as an end-time unity factor is really not possible. Because very few can accept that Jesus of the Bible is the only way to heaven. See, Jesus Christ said, Think not that I come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. And those of his own household, they have a, they have a man's own household will end up being his enemies. You know, father against son, mother against daughter, these types of things. Because the gospel tends to divide. Okay? And, you know, it's exclusive. It's not works-based, and most people are works-based. And if you don't believe it's works-based, and through Jesus Christ alone, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's what Jesus Christ said. You know, if you don't believe that, then, you know, you have a serious problem um, reconciling that with any type of other ism out there. It's just not going to happen. So, um to use Jesus as an end-time unity factor is not possible because very few can accept that Jesus of the Bible is the only way to heaven. Neither will they repent or obey his teachings. The majority of Jews feel that they do not need to be washed by the blood of the Messiah. The Muslims claim Jesus is not God, and, and the Catholics feel that faith in Mary is a better way to be saved. Since, since faith in Mary cannot save anyone, the Vatican has added to the scriptures to make her a co-redeemer or what they refer to as a co-redemptrix with Jesus Christ. You have to go through Mary really to get to Jesus. Now, the way that she is portrayed, like in the Baltimore Catechism, how they're brainwashed, is it, you'll see Jesus on a throne, just, you know, really, really mad. It's the Sananda Jesus, though. It's the Master Jesus we see in all the Roman Catholic paintings. Uh, not what Jesus really looked like on this planet. And um, But that's exactly the same one that's going to show up, though, the one that looks like the Adonis, long hair. Jesus one. Anyway, um, you'll see Jesus on a throne all mad, and then Mary's next to the throne, and she's the only one that can calm him down. So we got to go through Mary to get to Jesus, because he's really, really mad. You know? 
And if you try to go directly to Jesus, he's just going to crush you like a bug. You know, but the Bible doesn't say that anywhere. But then again, you know, pretty much anything unbiblical is going to be within the Catholic death cult. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. It doesn't say Mary. Okay, so... Um, anyway, the papal religious movement claims she was born without sin, lived a sinless life, never had intimate relations with her husband, meaning Joseph, after Jesus was born. Well, how would he have brothers then? I mean, that's, did she just continue to immaculately conceive? No, we know that. Okay, so she never never had intimate relations with her husband and was taken up sinless in heaven, body, soul, and spirit. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's what they teach. So, obviously, they're absolutely 100% comparing her with Jesus. Because Jesus was sinless. And, um, yeah, so this is what they teach. Blasphemy. That makes the Catholic Mary a pagan goddess that has absolutely nothing to do with biblical faith in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. She is the Queen of Heaven. She's been worshipped in various forms through the eons. You know, in different cultic, Babylonian-type pagan religious systems. Isis, Ishtar, Aphrodite, you name it. Fertility goddess worship really is what a lot of it boils down to as well. And these fertility goddesses typically would always have a small boy child with them as well. And again, you go into Semiramis, Tammuz, and Nimrod. Okay, Semiramis, the mother of, of um, Tammuz, who is the sun god. Who is, who is really, when we um, celebrate the birth of the sun god, it's Tammuz that you're celebrating on Saturnalia. That's what it was for. It was dedicated to the birth of the sun god, Tammuz, December 25th. Never had anything to do with the birth of the son of God, Jesus Christ. But you see how it was so easy to paganize it? Well, it's, yeah, we know it's a pagan holiday. And the Catholic Church was saying maybe way back then, 400 AD or whenever, they really started to amalgamate all the pagan holidays into their belief systems. So it would be appealing to the pagans and the pseudo-Christians. Yeah, we know. You know, it's like... Um, Birth of the sun god Tammuz and everything, December 25th, and the whole Yule thing going on with that, and the winter solstice and the stuff. But we, we'll just, we'll Christianize it and say it's the birth of the son of God, Jesus Christ. That's what we'll do. And we'll fool everyone. Well, they didn't fool everyone, but, you know, just one of the huge atrocities they've created across time. So... Um, this is what we're in reference to here. The Vatican is truly a house of demons. If you want to have eternal life, please run for your life. Have nothing to do with evil deeds of darkness of the Pope and his followers. Now, here's also a very good track, which is called Why is Mary Crying? That I give you a link to. And if you want to know, if you, you, you can, it actually takes you to the Bible verses where like, she's offering sin offerings and stuff. Well, if she was sinless, why would she offer sin offerings? You know, with with so again, you you can see it's just absolutely totally. And this is why is the real Mary crying, the one up in heaven, not the queen of heaven in pagan goddess form that the Catholics worship. So anyway, um, going further here, here is the next report: Catholics adore a skeleton and feast of its tongue. Now this is a really heartwarming little story. 
that we're going to get into here. Here we have some Catholic priests carrying carries the fresh tongue. It's the fresh tongue. Not to be confused with the stale tongue. Carries the fresh tongue on their shoulder, claimed to have been part of a 750-year-old skeleton. So now hold on. Hold on here. How could they be carrying a fresh tongue that's 750 years old? Isn't that kind of contradictory? I mean, how long can this thing things stay fresh, realistically. I mean, maybe they had it in, like, Ziploc vacuum pack, but they didn't have that back 750 years ago. So how are they going to have a fresh tongue? Okay? It's going to be stale all the way. I'm sorry. Okay, so, I I mean, you know. Anyway, it's this little gold statue. It looks like it's literally overlaid with pure gold. Um, And... (laughs) It's a gold statue, and in where its heart is, it has this nasty decrepit tongue under glass that you can see. And they worship this thing. They worship, they bow down, they burn incense to it. They they do everything. Because the Bible is clear that we need to worship old tongues. I mean, I was just worshiping a few old tongues, you know, that um, I had passed down from generation to generation. I was in there burning incense and, and um, I sacrificed a few uh, mice that I found out in the field to it. And, you know, got my paganism thing on, and I was doing that before we started, actually. You know, I I didn't want to admit it, but, you know, sue me. Just kidding, anyway. Um, The Feast of the Tongue was last celebrated on May 2010 in Colombo, Sri Lanka. For this purpose, the tongue of, quote, St. Anthony had been transported from Italy to Sri Lanka. I wonder if the tongue got, like, any kind of reduced rate for the plane flight out. Because, I mean, it's only a tongue. Or did they have to play, like, have a whole seat for it? You know, like, was it, a, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Anyway, so, St. Anthony, also called Anthony of Lisbon, and his remains have been taken up from the grave. Oh, good, because there's a lot of Bible for doing that, too. We're supposed to worship skeletons and various and sundry body parts and bow down and worship and burn incense to them and reverence them and kiss them and do all kind of disgusting things to dead people and dead body parts. I mean, it's all through the New Testament commandments, Jesus telling us to do that, you know. Oh, actually, it's never, ever mentioned. Only pagans would do such disgusting, vile things, but hey, you know, who's, what does it matter? It's just all for the good of the Catholic Church. So, they are kept for adoration in the relics chapel of Padua's Basilica in northern Italy. The UK Daily Mail wrote in an article about this Catholic saint on February 15, 2010, and here's from this article. We see these demon-possessed, black-robed Catholic monks here, pictured, adoring the 750-year-old skeleton inside the relics chapel of Padua's Basilica in Italy. I think this is the Skeleton that the tongue came out of, supposedly. So much of this is total garbage. As far as authentication. You're just taking the Catholic death cult's word that this is really the guy. When it would have been so easy to have just dug up anybody and said any other stupid story that you could think of to convince its followers of whatever. 
So anyway, it's nice. It's this skeleton on a nice padded little bed there. Uh, he looks nice and comfy. Um, and he's under glass, kind of like pheasant under glass. And um, he's probably mad because his tongue isn't around. I don't know where his tongue is. But maybe if they inserted the tongue, they could have a convo with the old uh, skeleton. I don't know. Anyway. Um, maybe they could, like, reanimate them satanically. I mean, because that's what they do at the highest levels of the Catholic Church anyway. I mean, of all kind of satanic ceremonies. The display, which will last until Saturday, will be in the chapel of his tomb in Padua. Padua, Padua I don't know, whatever. And marks the Feast of the Transfer of St. Anthony, also known as the Feast of the Tongue. When his coffin was moved 30 years after his burial, it was opened, and it is claimed most of his body was found to have returned to dust. However, his tongue remained fresh. Again, it was in a Ziploc bag, most likely, because they have that fresh seal, you know, you can get them. Anyway, um, yeah, the tongue remained fresh, which was seen as a sign of his gift of preaching, and was kept in a separate relic box. So, yeah, he was good preacher, so his tongue didn't decay, but the rest of his body did. Yeah, okay. Sounds reasonable to me. A closer look at the claimed to be holy tongue tells a different story. It looks like a black stone. Yeah, it's, it's a little on the rough side. You know, it's a little on the rough side. I, I'll, I'll vouch for that. Um, yeah, it's looking pretty nasty. I'm sorry. But it's this nasty body part that is like in this gold set, pure gold uh, statue with, which has this thing in its chest. The, the tongue's literally mounted in the middle of the chest. I think it would have been better if the statue has like a head. Why don't they have the tongue hanging out of its mouth? I don't know. I mean, I think that would be better. But yeah, this is what we're adoring and worshipping and bowing down to and burning incense to. This uh, tongue. Um, it is very disturbing seeing a Catholic priest carrying this, quote, fresh tongue on their shoulder, bowing down to it, praying to, kissing the idol of gold it is encased in. I wonder how many Catholics can be sure that the skeleton is really the man they claim is Anthony of Lisbon. I would not be surprised if the whole story was totally made up. True. When I saw the picture of the frame the Catholics have put around the stony tongue, it looks similar to the frame in Mecca housing the Kaaba. Have you seen pictures of the frame inside Islam's, quote, holy, most holiest shrine that has a black stone in its center? The Muslims are told to kiss the stone, which supposedly will be used to take away their sins. So see, this is the way they get their sins taken away. It's not the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. No, it's some work they have to go do. And they kiss this black stone, and all of a sudden that's going to make them sin free. Sounds reasonable to me. I mean, you know, sure. Again, it's just pure paganism is what we what we have here. The Muslims are told to kiss the stone to have their sins taken away. Now, we see the picture side by side. The first frame is the cup, the Kaaba in Mecca, um, and inside there is this black stone. Then you have the fresh tongue on the right of it, and it's. Um, could be a knockoff of the Kaaba worship. In other words, paganism, you know, they steal ideas from one another. Like, for instance, the Hindus were the ones that actually originally had the prayer beads. The Catholic Church stole that, knocked it off, and then made their rosary. 
But they're nothing more than repackaged Hindu prayer beads. This could be something very similar. Okay? So, going further. In regards to this holy tongue and the holy black stone, the Pope and Islam seem to be walking in perfect union. They will both end up in the one world religion that is built on a theology of all faiths leading to the same God. In this picture, we see the leader of Hamas, the terrorist group Hamas, Khalid Mashal, bowing down, ready to kiss the black stone in Mecca. What makes him any different than a Roman Catholic priest that bows down to kiss the black tongue sent from a church in northern Italy? Well, true. It's just paganism repackaged over and over and over again. Here we see a Vatican-appointed priest kissing the image of gold that is supposed to have a holy tongue in it framed in its center. I just wanted to include these pictures so you could really get the full... And they've got all this incense burning in the background. Um, here we see a Catholic priest burning incense. He's burning incense to his God. Can you imagine your God being a tongue? I mean, we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel, you know? Um, anyway... The Catholic priest burns incense in front of the, the uh, gold idol. The tongue is placed where people normally would find the heart. Which, you know, makes sense to me, I guess. Anyway, a Roman Catholic priest now bows down and prays to the image of his, to the, in front of the image of gold. What is the Bible saying about men that do these things? Well, Exodus 24 and, and verse 24 and 5 say, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath. Thou shalt not bow thyself down to them nor serve them. Which is exactly what we're seeing here. Okay? For I, the Lord, am thy... Am thy am, for I, the Lord, thy... For I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God, sorry, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generations of them that hate me. So in other words, if you're doing these things, in God's eyes, you're showing him you hate him. Okay? It's, I mean, if you read, you don't have to read between the lines. That's what it's saying. You bow yourself down unto graven images or this type of garbage, these idols. You're telling God you hate him. Okay, this is what people don't understand. There's there's consequences for our actions. Well, but my heart was in the right place. I thought I was serving God. Well, you know that's irrelevant. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Stop your paganism and repent. Okay, that's all I can really say. So, how do the Catholics get around the second commandment? Okay, simple. The Catholic Church removed the second commandment because it is a common practice to obviously bow down before graven images. In all Catholic churches. Images that are also big business for the Catholic Church. See, they don't want to, that's a lot of money they're making off all those idols they sell every year, you know? And little medallions and medals and all kinds of garbage. Each one of them comes with its own nice little devil, too. So, what did they compensate for taking out the second commandment? Is they split the tenth commandment into two to make their ninth and tenth commandments. That's how they got around it. Okay, you don't believe it? Well, here it is. Comparison of the Catholic Ten Commandments versus the Biblical Ten Commandments. Catholic. The, they've taken out the Second Commandment totally and moved the Third Commandment up to you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Okay, they took the commandment, thou shall not make unto thee any graven image out. Okay, now, granted, the, the full commandment is what I just read. It's the full complete. This is just the cliff note version. 
Okay. So then what they did is they took the tenth commandment, which is, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Okay. They took that commandment and they split it into two. To have a ninth commandment, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife. And then the tenth commandment, thou sh- you shall not covet your neighbor's goods. I mean, if that's not a scam, I don't know what is. But, you know, they're, they're the true devil mother church, so they can get away with this kind of stuff. One would have to be pretty blind not to see that these priests are doing evil and that they're willingly participating in blasphemy against the living God. If you want to live, and again, this is from this guy that wrote the article. Of course, I agree. If you want to live, you will have to run for your life from men like these. Never let them touch you or your children. Yeah, you're right about that. That's why the Bible says, lay hands suddenly on no man. Be not partakers of their sins. Because they can literally impart devils to you. By laying their hands on you. This is why Pentecostalism is so dangerous. Trust me, I've been there, done it. And everybody's always trying to lay their hands on you. You know? So, you got to be real careful who you're letting touch you or your children. Particularly with the whole pedophilia thing going on in the Catholic Church. With their legions of pedophile priests. So, anyway. um, Now, we're going to go ahead and switch gears again. And I think I should just stop part two here so we can make more of a clean switch of gears here. And uh, probably third and final part we're going to get into next. So God bless you and we'll see you in part three.